coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. I was reading a blog the other day. A guy was starting to uh, invest in a drone that would allow him to uh, spray uh, beehives. And, I, and that was his business idea. It was like, I'm going to have a drone that's going to come out. You have a bat, you have a wasp or a beehive that you don't, you don't want to risk somebody going out there and doing it. And it just like kind of opens up your mind just how many avenues there are. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome to another edition of The Hive Life, which is upon us. This episode, we want to talk aerial video and photography, its uses, and more importantly, how here at Spherical Media, we are utilizing drones within our work. And we're able to stay in-house on this one. I'm Jared Latch, joined by Tim Bear and our drone enthusiast, pilot, and friend, Thomas Wilson. And we were joking, Tim, with, with Thomas a few days ago that this could easily be an hour podcast because of his level of excitement. So this should be pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. Thomas uh, enjoys talking about drones, to say the least. You can already hear him breathing. His <laughs> I, excitement level is so high. I, I could go a couple hours, so uh, <laughs> he's going to have to turn me off after 30 minutes. He, he, uh, <laughs> he breathes drones. So let, let's start with the decision, Tim, you and I had late last year. We discussed this actually in the hallway of our old office building, and we, we talked about where it was going, if we needed it, who was the right guy for the job, and then decided ultimately to move forward. Yeah, you know, I think um, we had been playing in the drone world or space for a while, even before it was um, really regulated by the FAA, and um, it was sort of a wild, wild west at that point. And uh, we had been doing it and interjecting it every once in a while into projects that we were doing, and what ended up happening was as things became more regulated and uh, there was more um, red tape put in the way, but in a good way uh, to make things safer for people, uh, especially people that were using uh, drones for business, we realized that we either had to get our act together and go figure out how to get our pilot's license or find someone who already had their act together and, and was doing this on their own. And obviously we had known Thomas for a while um, being right down the street at WCNC and, uh, and knew that he was, he was a really talented, uh, not only photographer, videographer, but uh, also drone pilot. And we talk about those proper clearances, safety, was really important to us as we continued down that path with those discussions. And Thomas, you can speak to it much better than, than we can because you're always sharing new information and, and enlightening us <laughs> when it comes to these matters. Just talk a little bit about what those clearances are at a generalized level and then some of the safety that, that you adhere to and some of the things you do to ensure that that happens. Yeah, so first off, the the license is called Part 107, and it's a drone license that you can get. I actually just renewed mine. You have to renew it every two years. Um, we got won't it. tell everybody your grade. <laughs> <laughs> I pass. That's the key. <laughs> so um, that came out in September of 2016, and so that was the first thing. you got to have your license. Um, basically, the FAA differentiates if you're a hobbyist and you're flying, then you don't need a license. Uh, if you are a Part 107 pilot, you're covered uh, to fly commercial jobs, any exchange of goods, or um, you know, getting paid. So that was the first thing. And then secondly, the main thing is knowing your airspace. Uh, to try to put in simple terms, uh, staying away from airports uh, or within five miles of an airport. And if you 
are flying commercially, you need to make sure you go through uh, the proper clearances to get um, approval to fly in airspace that is restricted. Um, it can go as big as Charlotte Douglas, which is called a Class B, and as small as a Class E airport um, that has a tower that may work or may not work. So um, that's kind of the simple way, and then just staying up to date and following those rules and laws. and. Um, there's a lot more complicated um, rules, such as the waivers and flying over people that you have to get a waiver for. We have the night waiver, which is a big deal because uh, you can't just go up and fly at night if you're flying commercially. So those are some of the, the basic rules that we have to follow. Now, I know a question that I get often is, is how much are rules actually enforced? I know when they were trying to you know, move these things forward, it was always a big gray area, and we'd always talk about it. You know, who gets dinged and who doesn't and for how much? How is that regulated and is it enforced more nowadays than it was, say, two years ago? It's it's definitely enforced more, not as much as I think um, all the drone pilots who are doing this legally want it to be. Um, actually, the FAA uh, and commercial pilots just had a big win uh, in the last week and a half. I'm currently writing in the middle of writing a blog for it, but they... Um, approved the, re, the FAA reauthorization bill that President Trump signed off on, and that's huge because that really makes the commercial aspect uh, important. They repealed the 336, the 336, which was the hobbyist rule. So that means now that everybody has to be registered. Everybody, um, if you are a hobbyist, you'll have to pass a smaller test down the road. But um, And that's huge because not only will that bill drive enforcement and make people be aware of it. Um, it will really hopefully make the commercial pilots um, be out there for businesses to hire. So I think um, that's huge. Uh, you know, the kind of some connections that I have have said that if you're flying um, and you do it illegally um, and an employer, you know, someone has hired you for that, the pilot is going to be hit with an $1,100 fine. Um, per violation um, and that can be very costly and for an employer it can get up to baseline of eleven thousand dollars so it does cost uh, there's a few cases right now in the books but the FAA is is willing to make an example of somebody and so um, as it gets you know as it goes on and on it hopefully will be more and more because it only benefits the people who are doing it the right way yeah I think I was blown away when you told me the eleven thousand dollar number because I know that we talked to a number of partners out there and Sometimes maybe they're just hiring a friend that has a drone to go get some aerial shots mm -hmm. for them. And now that they are coming back at those people that are making the hiring decisions, um, it becomes a very important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, the, the FAA has ruled that, you know, ignorance is not an excuse. Um, you know, you're, you're flying a drone in airspace that could affect people, could affect helicopters, that could affect planes. And if you're doing it the wrong way... Um, the pilot, for one, uh, is the most responsible, but um, especially bigger clients. Uh, you don't see it uh, these days. You know, we, we filled out a couple RFPs where you need insurance, you need a license, uh, you need to have a, a visual observer, um, someone there who's with you when you fly. And those that's a good thing because that means safety is, is important uh, for those clients. Um, but, you know, there's a handful of people right now they don't view that as important, and the FAA hopefully will be able to manage them more. Um, and in that FAA reauthorization bill, they put remote ID in there. So um, they will be able to, as much as people don't want to have the big brother type feeling, that big brother feeling will be there, and hopefully that will 
that will help. So, um, you know, when we decided to make this investment and, and start the brand Aerial Buzz, um, you were obviously the natural choice to do that mm-hmm. with. We got to catch up, but now we've gone almost a full year here uh, under this. Most recently, you had an opportunity to go to Las Vegas for Inner Drone Conference, mm-hmm. which is um, obviously a big drone nerd conference. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, call them the dronies. The dronies, oh. that's oh, right. Yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, you obviously were in your element, but give us a little bit of the takeaway that you had from uh, from getting an opportunity to go out there. Oh, it was awesome. There's, It was the biggest conference they've had to date. Um, it's been big, but just from talking to people who had been there in the past, it, it had just grown. Uh, and there's too many sessions I was you know I was writing down my schedule and like oh I got to make it to this session but I really want to make it to that session so it was really trying to find out uh, what was um, what I wanted to see and then they also had the fly the public area where had they had all the um, companies come in and demo the drones and and things like that so it was it was a really eye-opening world because it kind of showed you how important important drones are I mean I think a lot of people just think like oh just take a photo just take a video but there's everything from thermal to mapping to lidar for photogrammetry measurements uh volumetric measurements that you can use it for for construction sites it's just incredible the the wealth of knowledge there so I think some of my favorite things um we're hearing on uh we had the FAA uh acting uh, not president but that title who came and spoke and he was just talking about enforcement, you know, kind of what we were just talking about and was like, we're going to hopefully step it up. And, you know, we want, we want it to be, um, to fly safe and everyone to fly safe. And so right after that, we had a panel that was really eye opening talking about, Hey, this reauthorization bill is on the table and they broke it down. And and I, I just, I learned that more in person than I would have trying to read it on a, on a computer. So, and then the other thing that stuck out to me, um, that was very insightful with just the, the ability to network and just talk. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times after a session I get done and be like, Hey, you know, I'd hand out my business card and we'd be talking to somebody and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I, I do that. I do that down in Georgia. This is, you know, how do you, what software are you using this? How do you, how do you color your video? How do you edit your video? You know? So it was very like just the exchange of information was just more eye opening. I was just, <laughs> I was in Nirvana. <laughs> I was just, uh, I was happy. So it was great. It's good though. I mean, the professional development part of what we do is important team wise. Mm-hmm. So to get you in front of that audience and to network with the uh, other dronies, they might get upset with me if I use. Is, no. is that an no. adopted term? At no, all? it's drony. It's totally fine. Yeah, I'm still gonna go. With There's it, an though. award <laughs> called the drony, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There might be, <laughs> but I know our original idea when we decided to bring Thomas on board full-time was was twofold we knew that we had an immediate reason to utilize video within our existing production which still when you get that shot and you sprinkle it in amongst a storytelling piece or whatever that use is it's still really cool and then the other part of that is all those fancy words that you want to apply to uh, mapping and geothermal and all these other things that we've started to dabble in but I guess that's the next thing for us we know we'll always be there with the storytelling, but then it's deciding, I guess, and it could be overwhelming what other path to go in. Yeah. And there's, there's so many avenues that you can pursue. I think, like I was saying earlier, the video and the photo is kind of the first thing you think of. It's what I did freelance before joining with you guys and starting this brand and, and what we've done in this first year. But there's so many elements. I mean, um, you know, I was reading a blog the other day, a guy was starting to, uh, invest in a drone that would allow him to 
spray uh, beehives. And, I, and that was his business idea. It was like, I'm going to have a drone that's going to come out. You have a bat. You have a wasp or a beehive that you don't, you don't want to risk somebody going out there and doing it. And it just like kind of opens up your mind just how many avenues there are. So we're, we're, we're trying to do that with uh, potentially looking to do the mapping and um, making you know, 3D models and 2D maps for clients. And then, um, of course, our bread and butter is, is getting those key money shots. Photos are a big deal, too. I mean, I, it's... It's not something you think of as um, as being able to showcase, but, you know, every time we go somewhere in a location, I try to snap a couple pictures, whether it be uh, high-res panorama or whatever, to be able to showcase on our uh, social media and and potentially sell and and for stock. So, One of the big things that I want to throw back to you, Tim, is it's not really a niche play. Real estate has always had the need for aerial, aerial video and photography. But now, when you, when you bring in the skill set of our team, we're trying to create a more experiential feel, especially with a lot of the, uh, the corporate or the commercial side of things. Yeah, I think we play in the commercial real estate side a lot more than residential any day. And uh, for us, you know, we were telling stories graphically and through video uh, for these properties and now to add this extra element of giving a different perspective, especially on the commercial side because these properties can be so big and so to be able to pull back and see that perspective of where something exists um, and be able to tell people okay you're here I mean obviously we use Google Maps and Google Earth and all those kind of tools that we can uh, to really illustrate it but then to give that perspective from you know a, a thousand or four hundred feet in the air. Sorry, I almost went above the number there. I could feel twitch. If, if we have a waiver, <laughs> yeah. it might uh, it might be listening to us. You just, yeah. you just got fined. <laughs> Ding. Um, but yeah, I think that that's where we've really seen it in real estate. It's really played a big role, and I think that's a lot of the projects you've been working on recently. Yeah, it's been great in the the commercial um, real estate field because you have these you know, two minute pieces that we're being able to showcase where this property is in relation to Charlotte or, um, the interstates. And we do use Google earth and Google maps to get the whole picture because we are limited by our height. But you know, that, that aerial shot, uh, at, you know, at peak height and you have that property and you go, man, there's, there's the Chick-fil-A down the road. There's the, there's the interstate right there. Um, it, it really is a game changer. And, you know, I think, the the obvious point of aerial video and photography is that it just gives you that perspective you you can't get and um from the ground and it it tells a story in a different way and 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 you do it in a uh you know cheaper fashion everyone was used to doing it with planes or helicopters and and now you can in a touch of a you know touch of a button for 30 minutes go up and get what you need and come back down well, so. it might be might be cheaper for you as just a pilot here. I don't know with Tim and I, but that, that was the next question. It's a good a good segue to talk about the the drones that we use and, and we know quite well and the the video production and the creation of video how rapidly the technology changes and you guys could bring something to us every couple of days and say, "Hey, here's a a new thing with a couple more bells and whistles on it." So we've heard of Christmas in July. We sort of, I believe, had Christmas in August when you got a new drone yeah. in-house. Just yes. talk about that drone in particular and then maybe some of the differences in the lenses and the cameras, again, at a, at a basic level of why those matter. Yeah, so we, we mainly use DJI drones. Um, I, I've had the most experience with them. I've been flying them since 2016. They're kind of like the Apple of uh, drone world, but like 
there's no there's no Samsung, there's no Android, there's no competition really. Um, there's a, f- a few out there, but DJI is really our go-to. So um, we just got the Mavic 2 Zoom um, back in August, and um, it's been phenomenal. It's a great drone. It's small, compact. I don't have to check it in uh, when we go fly everywhere. And then the reason we got it uh, mainly, because a lot of people, uh, if you're a drone nerd, uh, the Mavic 2 Pro came out at the same time, and that is a... A little bit better of a camera has a one-inch sensor, gives you really high quality, shoots really flat and D-log for cinematographers out there. You know, you can edit and bring the colors up a lot more with that. But we got the zoom because we kind of have that with the Phantom 4 Pro, which we already have, which is the same thing, one-inch uh, one sensor um, and kind of all those uh, technical um, benefits. So we got the zoom because it gives us that added effect with the uh, digital zoom, uh, which is great. It, it doesn't lose any quality. Um, shoots in 4k and, uh, gets what we need and just brings a different feeling to the video. And, um, and of course the Mavic is so maneuverable and small that you can, uh, fit it into tight places. You know, I might've hit the side of a door one time with it, but outside of that, we're good. <laughs> Survive. That's all that matters. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so <clears throat> when you look at that and I know one of the other cool things about it was the hyperlapse, uh, mm-hmm. one touch hyperlapse, yeah. which is something we use and yeah. people out there might not know what that is. First of all, real quick, describe what that is. Hyperlapse is, so you hear of a time lapse is where everything's sped up, but the camera's staying still. Hyperlapse is everything sped up with the camera moving. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm flying towards uptown Charlotte and, um, you see the cars moving and you see people walking down the street and it's just moving super fast, but the drone is moving as well. So that's a hyperlapse or even the golden gate bridge. Yes. Yes. That that was pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That was out in California for a shoot. Yeah. So let's, uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because we just got to the California shoot. What has been your favorite project that you've worked on um since being here with spiracle oh man there's so many um anytime i get to fly and and add that different element to a piece and see it in the final project is is special um probably you know it kind of is ironic probably the last thing i shot um went up to the ymca at lake norman and did some adaptive water skiing uh so they have adults and children um who have special needs who who are able to adaptive uh, water ski um, on Lake Norman. And so it was incredible. Um, I was in, in the back of the boat tracking um, these incredible um, children and adults who were able to ski and persevere. And it was that, that story in itself was incredible. But then the ability to get the beautiful shots and following them and seeing their path. And, and it was, I, I enjoy um, action shooting for sure. So, Probably that, that one is probably off the top of my head is number one, and then probably probably a close second is the action that we've gotten to shoot with Pike when they were demoing the house. And that was a really awesome opportunity to, I mean, we were capturing it from the ground, but just to be right over the crane, uh, you know, the crane's arm as it smashes the house, and you know, uh, we've got some great shots at the end of the uh, the end of the. Um, videos with the guys uh, sitting in the chair. That's a, that's a drone shot as well. So just being able to, to experiment with that. What makes you most excited about when you think of where things are moving? Because you mentioned that uh, your favorite thing is anytime you get to fly and seeing it in the finished mm-hmm. piece. But 
then looking at the overall landscape, what what excites you? I think just the 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 innovation of the field. I mean, you know, three two or three years ago, I was flying a Phantom two, a Phantom three. And now we've gone, you know, now we've expanded to the Inspire 2 and now we've expanded to the Mavic. And so there's so many different platforms and different things. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, p- people may not be familiar, but there's a splash drone. I mean, there's so many different types of drones. So that's that's one for me. And then uh, secondly, just the ability to keep learning and keep challenging myself, because I think you know, it's one thing to be able to control a camera on the ground and have it in your hands. Um, and I grew up playing video games, so this is kind of like a video game for me. So I'm controlling you know, something that's in the air and at the same time doing it safely, but trying to think of something creative and cool and different. Um, it, it keeps it fresh all the time. So I think I, I enjoy that the most. Going off of that, what was the reason you got into aerial flying oh man it's <laughs> i'll try to condense the story but long story short um our tv station did not renew its contract with the the helicopter that we had so i bought a drone my spare time at the time the tv station didn't have rules to fly their drone so i bought a drone uh thinking oh i could replace the helicopter and instead um once you know when we had no rules at the tv station to fly i did it in my spare time fell in love it was a hobby um did it got my license did it on the side as you know kind of a side career and a hobby but then really um it took off in the last probably pun intended yeah i would say it took off in the last two years (laughs) it was just it was just awesome i flew all the time and then our tv station actually got a drone program and i was fortunate enough to be the chief chief pilot over there so i got to learn how to run a drone program and know the manuals and the pre-flight checklist and knowing where to fly even you know, even more detailed. And so, um, so yeah, so it, I, I think I've said this multiple times. It was a hobby. I turned it into a career, but it's still a hobby for me. So that's great stuff. Uh, thanks guys. This has been fun. We, <laughs> we knew it would be with Thomas and it, this was really a condensed podcast cause we, we could talk for, for hours on this. So yes, I appreciate it guys. <laughs> and we want to remind you to check out our work on our Vimeo channel or our website aerialbuzz.co is our dedicated site for Aerial Buzz. You can be on the lookout for, for more blogs from Thomas and check out all our social media sites. And if you'd like to reach us for any type of job or just a general inquiry, you can go to info at spiraclebuzz.com via email and find us there. And we also want to remind you to do your best, think outside the box, and get creative. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.